0: What if I told you that you could design and live the life that you want on your own terms? Would you do it? Would you take a leap into the unknown? Or would you settle for a life of limits, a life of safety but lacking true meaning? Zef and Moses Blacksburg here and I'm on a journey to help you ignite your inner passions, let go of your fears, and get more out of life. Will you join me and make this year your year of purpose? Welcome to the Year of Purpose podcast. Hey everyone, Zephan Blacksburg here from the Year of Purpose podcast, and today I have an amazing friend of mine, Misty Burmeister. Now Misty is a speaker, an author, uh, also a blogger, and an amazing friend and mentor to me as well, and I'm so excited to have her here today. Misty, thanks for spending some time with me. Uh, I'm excited. Let's get this on the Let's get this going, man. Awesome. Let's go. So, let's tell everyone listening and watching just a little bit background on you cuz I know that you worked in the corporate world for some time and now you do work for yourself and you do some amazing uh consulting and coaching. Uh so tell me a little bit about how you got to where you are now and where you were maybe 5 or 6 years ago.
1: That's that's funny. I had a very short stint Zephan, in the corporate world. It lasted about 4 months. <laughs> That's the length of my stay in corporate America. I am, um, and actually, it's what a year and a half. You know, I was working for the National Institutes of Health for a year uh, as a fellow, and then I worked for a government contractor for four months. And that experience is what led me to go explore and figure out like what wasn't working there for me, and basically discovered that the what I was saying wasn't coming across right to the older folks and more seasoned folks inside the organization and what they were saying to me, I was misinterpreting. So, thus generational conflict became kind of my topic of interest and then led to my topic of um, solving problems inside of organizations about maybe a year after I, I quit. I landed in that, in that arena and started a company called Inspirion, which is now kind of let the company name go by the wayside so that my own name can come forward. Yeah. Great. And so, so- Ten years ago.
0: Ten years ago. Very nice. So you have definitely come a very far away since then. Uh, You know, I've been fortunate enough to hear you speak a couple of times and, you know, to read your blog and check out a lot of the stuff that you've done. It seems like feedback now is something that's like a really big, important thing to you uh, and giving good feedback, which, of course, probably leads to better communication in the workplace and better functioning overall. Um, you know, how did you fall upon feedback as being one of the sources or key things that needs to be worked on inside of a business?
1: I think one of the greatest challenges in leadership, Zephan, is understanding number one how to receive feedback, because if you know how to receive it, you know what your team is telling you about how how you're doing as a leader. And if you know how to give it in such a way that people want to and they're inspired to grow and develop. then you've got the most important fundamental key to being effective in your, in your ability to provoke greatness or to, to lead.
0: So you know, you've, you've addressed a really great topic here, feedback. But I'm sure you might have seen this coming. How can we, A, give better feedback? And B, what should we try to not do uh, in order to give better feedback?
1: Well, let me also answer a little bit more of your, your, your first question there, which is, like, how did I come upon this topic? And yeah. I think, just like most people, like you, like most people, I've struggled with receiving feedback that felt like a, a knife in the, you know, in the chest and, like, turning it back and forth. And my, uh, a wise person once told me, Misty, it's like gifts wrapped in, you know, in, in crap. Uh, it smells bad, but if you can just get beyond the layers and get to the gift inside, you'll be in good shape. And so I've always sort of seen feedback that way and I've seen so many people struggle with when somebody tells them that what they're doing isn't working or you know you know how do I take that feedback and make it useful to myself? So I've I've, I've been asked that question so many times. That's what what prompted me to to start writing about it. What is your what was your second question there?
0: Yeah, more of just going into how to give better feedback. What well, the the do's and don'ts. What we should or shouldn't do uh, you know when we're talking to others and giving feedback because a lot of people ask our, our opinion all the time uh, as business owners and as creatives and people who are doing these things. Uh, you, know, you had just asked my opinion of something the other day, uh, you know, and obviously I want to make sure that I'm giving you what you're looking for, but you know, I want to be nice about it. I don't want to do that whole knife into the heart sort of deal. So you know, what could uh, someone like myself, if, if someone were coming to me for feedback, what should I do and what should I try not to do?
1: What an awesome question. I'm going to answer it in two different ways. Okay right so the question is how do how do you get better at giving feedback and I think rich fairbanks CEO um founder of um, of capital one said it best when he said the folks with there's almost a direct correlation he said between the folks who rise in his organization and the folks who actively seek out feedback so and, so that's part of my answer in that you're asking how do you get better at giving feedback you get better at giving feedback by going out and asking for feedback. Because the more you ask for feedback and the more that you challenge your own heart and and, and challenge yourself to to, to adjust and to, to hear the negativity or what feels like negativity or criticism and, um, and shift based on the, what you're hearing you know what that feels like and as a result of knowing what it feels like you're naturally gonna adjust the way that you say things to others so that, so that you don't um, upset them not that we have any control over that honestly but if you're the person out there seeking feedback constantly and willing to to hear the hard things People are going to know that about you and they're going to be more apt to
0: receive feedback from you. You know, a lot of us, when we receive feedback, at least when we're not used to asking for it all the time, probably close off a little bit and get a little bit defensive. I mean, obviously, especially if we're asking for feedback on something that's really important to us, you know, something that we've slaved over and put all this effort into. Um, so I'd imagine it's it's pretty hard at first to, you know, get used to this, having other people tell you what they think and, and being able to absorb it without trying to fight back right away. Um, That's the number
1: one reason right there that people don't give feedback is because of the defensiveness and then you have to feel bad because you hurt their feelings and yeah.
0: Do you think that we should also make sure that when we're giving feedback that the person asked our permission. You know, a lot, a lot of people are just quick to criticize, right? Like as humans, it's kind of in our nature to have opinions and look at other things people are doing. Um, you know, what's a good way to go about saying, uh, hey, can I tell you what I think about this? Uh, you know, in a polite way. Uh, and maybe they don't wanna hear anything right now and it's just not a good time for them. You know, how should we approach uh, giving it to them?
1: Well, I like, the, I like what you just said there, which is basically to ask permission to give somebody feedback. Um, and in the case when you really don't have a very strong <clears throat> trusting relationship with somebody, absolutely ask, is it okay to share with you my thoughts? And sometimes people will say, no, in fact, I was with my dad this weekend. And Zephan, I just got to tell you real quick. And I, um, my, my parents are moving uh, back to Colorado and I'm helping to pack up and my mom likes to buy stuff and my dad likes to keep stuff. That's how it goes, right? And so they have a lot of stuff. And <clears throat> I asked my dad because they were having a little bit, you know how parents do, you have a little bit of a tiff about, you know, what gets kept and my mom's trying to get him to get rid of stuff. You know, how that goes. And so my my dad and I are by ourselves, and I said, so dad, I'm just wondering, can I ask you this question? And I asked him the question, have you guys created any rules around, you know, what you're going to keep and what you're going to discard? He goes, nope, you can't ask me that question. I was like, fair enough. You know, fair enough. Then I won't go any further. You want to keep arguing back and forth? That's that's cool. So, I mean, the people will give you, they'll tell you whether or not they want your feedback. And, you know, I think a better, another question, a good question uh, that I get a lot is how do you keep the feedback coming in? Especially when that feedback feels so difficult on our, on us like it, like we're like we're gonna explode and punch them in the face right 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 well and anytime that's the case anytime we're defending against something somebody else is saying there's a, some truth to it because if there wasn't then we would have no reason to defend so the more you open yourself up to like just huh without self-judgment right mm-hmm. without judging ourselves that we're bad or wrong or we right if, if we can go ahead
0: yeah, you just cut out there for the last second. Just what you said on that last sentence there about bad or wrong.
1: Yeah, it's not. We're not. It doesn't. The feedback doesn't mean anything about us. Really, what it means about what it, what the criticism means or the feedback means is how we're coming across in somebody else's world. So if we care about how we're coming across in another person's world, which probably there are other people similar to that person giving you feedback, if we care about it, then then listen. And but it's hard to listen when you're reacting inside right so there's this little thing in the base of our brain you might know about this i don't know if your listeners do or not but um it's called the amygdala the base of our brain and it's sort of the fight flight or freeze um and when we're reacting because there's danger that's a really valuable thing to have us to get into movement or something like this to save our lives but when it comes to feedback we also get triggered and that and the amygdala goes haywire. And the best thing to do in that situation is to breathe because what happens is literally the blood cannot get beyond the base of the brain to the frontal lobe. Mm. And the frontal lobe is where reasoning happens. All right. So if you can't get to reasoning, then you're only going to say something that's reactive, that's defensive, it's going to cause a problem. If you can breathe and process what the person said, maybe even journal about it, then you can start to see maybe some truth in it, or at least it's true for them. And then you can ask them, well, first of all, thank them. So you breathe first, and then you say, when you figure out how to do that, you say, thank you, right, for giving me this feedback, because without it, then I can't grow, I can't learn. And then you... Repeat back to them. Make sure that you understood what it is that you heard. They, you heard them say. Because sometimes we mix up the feedback. Yeah, what you're hearing them say might not be what they meant. Yeah, and you have. And a, so you can go ahead.
0: Yeah, and you have a really good uh, system of doing that. Was it was something along the lines of like. Is this it? Did I get it? Is there more? Tell me about that.
1: Yeah, I actually learned that originally. It's taught in many different ways, but I learned it originally in Imago therapy, I-M-A-G-O, Imago therapy, which couples therapy. And basically it's image therapy, so you're, you're doing therapy on your – you're understanding your own patterns from, that were created from a very young age. So in Imago therapy, they teach you um, to, to, in order to better understand people, the listening part of it is, so what I'm hearing you say is, and then you fill in, it's, which which is enormously difficult if you're not really actually paying attention, um, and it, what oftentimes I see people do is just parrot, which you're not actually listening if you're just parroting. Right? right, you've got to synthesize what somebody said and share with them how you heard what you heard. Right, so what I'm hearing you say is this? Did I get it? And if the answer is yes, then is there more? And if the answer is no, then you let them go again and then you repeat that. Anytime you ever meet somebody that repeats themselves a thousand times, it's because they don't. So try, try this one. What I'm hearing you say is this, did I get it? Is there more until there's no more? And for the people that there really is never an end, then you just, um, You just kick them in the
0: shins. (laughs) Sounds like a good solution to me. So it looks like step one is really to be asking for, you know, more feedback from others. Uh, Step two is asking permission to be able to give feedback to others. So it's kind of a two-way street. And then the third one is really just working on your reaction and your response to it. So going back to that breathing concept of, you know, making sure that we can handle that knife stab to the heart and that, you know, we can kind of take it and run with it and learn from it.
1: Yeah, you're very good at that. You've gotten much, much, much better yourself. Every day and every way we, we keep learning and growing, don't we?
0: Yeah. So yeah. did I get it? <laughs> you did. Is there more? <laughs> That's it for now, babe. Cool. So let's jump into another topic here because you have some really exciting stuff that has happened uh, both in the past and new stuff coming up. Uh, tell me a little bit about your book that uh, your ebook that you have just released to the public—it's called *Shift*, uh, turning fecal matter into feedback that matters. Because I know that you brought up that idea of uh, turning crap into into gold. So you know, we just chatted about that a little bit back there. But tell me a little bit about you know just the motivation behind this ebook and what is actually in it. What people learn from it. Well,
1: you know what's interesting is the world tells me what to write about. And I just don't always know what I'm writing about. And about a year ago, one of my editors just went through all of my blogs over the past two years or so. And she said, Miss, you have so much here on feedback, on, on how to receive feedback. I already written a book, an ebook, excuse me, on how to give feedback. That's already up live on the website. Um, <clears throat> and I'm, I can't believe I'm forgetting the name of my own ebook. Um, let's see. It'll come back to me in a second. Cool. Anyway, it's about what's that? We'll come back to it. We'll come back to it. Anyway, it's about giving difficult feedback. This one is about how to receive it, and because a lot of people, just like you asked, they want to walk away from, you know, they want to have, they want to hear what their boss has to say, or they want to hear what their colleagues or even their friends have to say, and not be so reactive. But they don't know how to feel empowered by feedback that hurts. So and I don't I didn't either. And I think it's a it's a lifelong process. And so I wrote this ebook and it's there's a ton of great stories in there with very specific action items on what to do when you're in a, a variety of different situations. The intention of course of which is to help them understand them mostly CEOs, mostly leaders that want to get better and better at leading. Help them understand how to get the most out of um, understanding the feedback that they're currently getting. So if you look at your it, the whole mirroring concept, right, Zefan? Mm-hmm. If we if we look into the, if we look if we assume that the folks that are out here are just a reflection of what's going on in here, then we can start to make a difference in what's going on out here by shifting what's going on inside of here. And that's really what shift is all about. How do you do that? How do you shift on the outside based on shifting the world on the inside?
0: So you brought up a really good point there, too. And this is something that, you know, I've learned from you in the past about mirroring. Um, You know, I think back to there was a time where I told you I was upset about something that somebody did. And... You know, you kind of said, hmm, well, I wonder what that says about what's going on with you, not necessarily them. Could you maybe uh, just expand on that concept a little bit of how maybe uh, things that are angering or upsetting us inside can actually be a reflection of, you know, not what somebody else did, but maybe something going on internally?
1: Yeah, it's really good. So I'll I'll, I'll start with um, with a very specific example that is very corporate related, and what I ask is that um, come up with another one um, that might be a little bit even more geared toward your audience, and I'll, I'll we'll do a coaching session right here on the fly. Sweet. But I, I remember I was in California, and it was it's been years ago now, uh, but the COO of a major hotel management company, I think you've heard this story, um, came up to me after a presentation, and she said. You know, she shared quite a bit about her team and basically, understand, I came into this job nine years ago and the folks on my team were fired up, they were engaged, they were enthusiastic, and here we are nine years later and they're complacent. And I said, all right, cool. So what's your vision? And she, you know, she said some things about bottom line numbers and stuff like that. And I said, no, no, no. What's your vision? What's the higher purpose of what a purpose project, right? Um, what's the higher purpose of what, you're, of what you're striving to go after as a team? And, you know, she mumbled some more things about shareholder value. And I stopped her again and I said, no, what is it that the folks on your team that's gonna care, that they care about that's about more than just money? She goes, oh, yeah, yeah, we did that exercise about nine years ago. So you see, so they had become complacent because she had become complacent. Yeah. If the folks on your team don't listen to you, it's because you don't listen to them. I have so many stories about how, why don't they understand my vision? Well, they don't understand your vision because you don't communicate it. Mm. You know, so it's all, it's all about taking 100% responsibility. The only place of power is in 100% responsibility. If they have any responsibility for the results you get, you have no power. So keep the power take responsibility and go, who am I being so that X, Y, and Z? And the more you ask the question, the deeper you dive and the better results you'll get.
0: I really like that because I'm a huge fan of, of asking better questions. Uh, you might not have seen it, but there's this movie *I, Robot* with Will Smith, and essentially the creator of these robots that are, you know, have AI, like they understand the world around them. Um, they're trying to find out why or how one of the robots might have actually uh, killed the creator of these robots. But the creator left behind this hologram that you can talk to and interact with. So they're trying to figure out like how he died Uh, and the hologram pops up and Will Smith, who's the police officer investigating is like, you know, how did you die? What happened? And he goes, That's not the question to ask or or something along those lines of like, you know, I can't answer that right now or something like that. Um, And I think it's really important to just kind of take that lesson from that of maybe we're just not asking stuff in the right way or we're not asking the right question, you know, of ourselves or even of others. Uh, And so to get a better answer or to get to the answer that we really want to get to, uh, you know, we need to kind of reevaluate and look back at what we're doing ourselves or what we're asking uh, to make sure that it's going to get us what we really want to find out. Absolutely, agreed. So you've affected a lot of business owners. You've gone into a lot of really big organizations. Uh, I won't uh, release any of their names here, but there's some pretty big ones out there and you know you've done some pretty amazing stuff what do you think is the favorite part of your business what really you know gets you going and gets you fired up about what you're doing for people
1: my the reason why I get out of bed every morning is I love watching people come to life and what I mean by that specifically is when people understand what they're doing and why they're doing it And they understand who they really are beyond the layers of all the different ego parts that show up that I just point right past Um, in the work that I do. I just see right past that stuff and help them to zero in on what it is they're really trying to do and why are they trying to do that. The lights go on and their whole life changes. Not just their life, but you can imagine because it's typically executives that I'm working with, their entire teams shift. And it's sort of like if you were to think of a bunch of, well, there's a football game coming up on Sunday. It's Super Bowl, right? Yep, yep. Imagine those two teams coming onto the onto the field on Sunday and ready to play. Like They've been working their butts off to get there. And they get on the field and there's no end zone. Would they play hard? Absolutely not. For what?
0: Because they don't know where to get to.
1: They don't know where to get to. But yet most leaders are running their businesses void of any sort of an end zone void of specific goals I mean other than financial, good at that right but when it comes to developing their people when it comes to identifying the uh, the most important critical uh, uh, solution that they're providing that makes a difference for their customer they don't take the time to really think about what it is and why they want to do that why is it important to them and because they don't identify it They end up barking orders and getting irritated that other people don't know what they don't know. And so when they can get some clarity around that, all the communication issues start to go away. Like the generational conflict issues are there because people don't know how what they do is contributing to something greater. And in addition to that, they don't know how to continue growing themselves because there's other people that are in the way now. And so competition starts to form, and we think it's conflict as a result of age But at the end of the day, every single generation wants the same basic things. They want to feel like what they do matters, opportunities to grow, and some form of feedback. Pretty simple. So if if as a leader you can, it just, it changes lives. It changes businesses. It changes teams. It changes families. And that's what, that's what I'm all about, man. Bringing, bringing people to life.
0: That's really awesome. So if you were to look at, you know, a group of people who maybe they're, haven't been brought to life yet, right? What if you could only give them one piece of knowledge? Uh, what is like your one thing that you would want to say to them to just get them pumped up and going, or at least thinking differently?
1: So, um, and this is a group of people that a group of people that really want to be doing something that's meaningful. Give me some more context because yeah, there's yeah, two so different what, kinds of people.
0: Yeah, so let's assume that these are people who want to make a change. So I'd like to talk to both people who are in the corporate world and perhaps are not having uh, the experience that they hope for. So, uh, them as well as perhaps entrepreneurs or people interested in the entrepreneur- entrepreneurial pursuit, uh, you know, and want to make sure that. Uh, you know, they get really fired up about it. You know, there, there's a want for it. There's, there's uh, not necessarily a necessity for it, but there's an intention uh, uh, to want to be there and to want to be fired up in each of them. Uh, you know, if you could just give them one thing to kind of push them over the edge and be like, all right, let's go. You know, what, what would that be?
1: Gosh, you know what? The number one thing, Zefan, is get rid of, actually I won't even say get rid of, the number one thing is get curious. Right, so we don't know. Most of us don't know what it is that's going to necessarily fire us up, and we wait and we wait and we wait, hoping that somebody's going to tell us what we should do. Right? What well, we not only what we should do, but what's going to make us happy. And we expect most of us expect that that leader is going to put that opportunity right in my hands, even though I've done nothing necessarily to make the opportunity happen. Right? At the end of the day, the only person that can help you discover what fires you up is you. And the first thing to do if you're in a place where you just don't know, Get curious and get into action. Go to a, a go to something you've never gone to before. Go learn a skill you've never learned before. Like take a take a class that you that you would never think that that would be something. You're just kind of interested in it. Like I remember when I got stuck, and we all do this. We all get stuck. And when I got stuck, it was um, it was farming that interested me, and I had it's I struggled so hard with letting myself be interested. And farming Zephin. Like, I gotta focus on bigger things like leadership and like helping people grow. What is this farming thing? Right, Right. Wouldn't you know that not even a year later I ended up I got a chance to learn a lot about how food is grown and yada yada. That was pretty exciting and fun. And it's what turned my lights back on. And then I get this major opportunity with the Environmental Protection Agency, which was just and I mean just awesome and so if we can let go of trying to force things and try to be somebody and instead allow ourselves to give and to um, light our and to be lit up and to be excited and take responsibility for that um, for that sense of excitement in our man just one small step at a time can make the biggest difference in the world but you gotta stay curious you gotta stay open you gotta keep learning
0: Yeah, it's like you know
1: this better than anybody I know, Zeffin.
0: Yeah, it's there's that old Steve Jobs quote of you know, stay hungry, stay foolish. It's it's a huge thing uh, in my life, not only because I worked at Apple, but just I think it makes sense, right? Like it just really I connect with that uh, that idea and that concept. And I kind of did the same thing you did with the farming was rowing. Um, you know, someone had told me I was going through, you know, a really stressful time. I wanted to find a better outlet for that. Uh, and someone said, you know, you should try rowing. And I'm, you know, first impression, I'm just like, like, I would never do that. Right. Like, right. You kidding me? Like, I, I just, I couldn't see, past it because i hadn't even tried it yet right so like i just had this fake uh, opinion of it that wasn't even based on anything uh turns out you know i i took up an intro to rowing class i moved into like a more competitive advanced class and next thing you know like you know did a couple races by the end of the first season uh and i'm super stoked now to go back once the weather starts to get warmer and to do that again uh, Why you don't year. want to
1: do it in 30-degree weather? I don't understand.
0: No. Need a row in water, <laughs> not an <in> ice. <laughs> that would not be very fun. No. Um, so you've been through, obviously, way more than I have. Uh, you know, there's, there's a bit of an age difference here, so I know that there's a lot of things for you to teach other people, a lot of things that you've experienced and that you've learned over time. If you could just go back and look at your life as a whole, was there any one decision that you made that you look at it as being, this is the best decision I ever made because it was crucial to getting me to where I am right now?
1: You know, and I'm not that far in front of you. Um, um, and, I, and boy, the age, that number thing. Anyway, I'll stay focused on your question, uh, which is no. No, there's not one, and but I can tell you there are many, many, and I could name easily right now several dozen small decisions that happened over time it's you know I think it was Zig Ziglar that said um, while the hurricanes and and the tornadoes get all the publicity did you know it's the termites that do the most damage they take these little itty bitty bites and over time they destroy buildings and displace people well the same thing is true on the opposite side of that the things that change our lives it's never it's sort of like um, do you eat a Hershey bar? Like Jim Rohn used to talk about this, and before he passed, the f- amazing guy, Jim Rohn, Check him out. Um, do you eat a candy, you know, a Hershey bar, or do you eat an apple a day? It's that simple of a choice. Do you exercise, or do you eat the Doritos? You know, or do you sit on the couch? Do you watch TV, or do you read a, you know, read something that's educational every day? You know, so these small little decisions every day added up. Obviously, these things are called habits, and I did not start with the best of habits. Speaking of Doritos. I literally, your your listeners should really know this, Stefan, I could eat an entire bag of giant extended king-size Dorito bag of chips, almost a whole bag, and whatever was left, I'd lick the cheese off the chips and put them back in the bag. <laughs> yeah, I did that.
0: So that was obviously not the greatest of decisions, but it's great that you've been able to uh, reinforce new habits to, to take over those old habits and so it sounds like you know there's a lot of small tiny decisions like you said with that quote about the termites uh, that ultimately get you to where you are so you know transformation can obviously happen through through big decisions right like you know people decide to have a child or to get married like a lot of transformation happens there but ultimately uh, transformation as a whole in our life as a whole happens out of these smaller moments uh, that that really come in bite-sized pieces rather than eating, as you say, the whole Hershey bar, or the whole uh, Doritos bag. Right, right. So is there anything that, uh, as far as mentors and books go, you know, you recommended a couple of speakers and and authors to to listen to. Are there any one or two right now that you're really big on uh, that you might recommend to everybody listening in?
1: Yeah, so Byron Katie. Brene Brown, Seth Godin, um, Elizabeth Kubler-Ross, um, let me give you some specific books, so Loving What Is, okay, right, A Thousand Names for Joy, those are both by um, uh, the first author that I mentioned. Yep, we can uh, look I, that up and
0: we'll put that in the show notes for everyone.
1: Cool, Byron Katie. Yeah, she's amazing. You know, and I, I'm always Zig Ziglar. I mentioned him. There are so many. Uh, the, most of those books that I and leaders that I just identified, sure, they're really great in their craft. In their craft, which isn't necessarily spirituality, but yet they almost their entire work has to do with getting closer to your authentic core. And I think the more we understand ourselves and the more we trust ourselves, the stronger our foundation is, the, the, the more that we'll be able to do the things that we really love to do in this world. I think purpose really comes from knowing yourself. Mm. If there is a purpose in life, the purpose is to get to know who you really are. If there is a purpose, um, purpose is in every moment and not necessarily in an entire life. But if it were, that's what I would say the purpose of life is.
0: That is amazing. I'm really glad that you have, you know, your own definition of purpose uh, and that you shared that with us. So thank you for doing that. I know that uh, some people are currently looking for what is purpose. You know, it's kind of, it's one of those questions that we ask and probably ask in the wrong way a lot of the time. So we're not really finding an answer. Um, So thank you again for sharing that. Just to wrap all of this up, into a great package, because I know that you talk a lot about gifts that are wrapped in uh, crap, so to speak, in your recent book. Um, This is kind of a question I've been asking to some people here and there, and I'm really just curious to see uh, where you go with it. You know, a lot of us, uh, no matter where we are in life, uh, know that there is someone else out there who has less money than us, has less opportunities than us, is, you know, has to walk uh 10 miles just to find water right uh so this is i'm curious to see where you go with this um you find yourself at the supermarket and you just left you're leaving doing your food shopping you get to the car next to the car next to you there's a hundred dollar bill on the ground no one around you can't look up and say oh did you drop this Uh, and obviously if you bring it back into the supermarket they're going to say who dropped a hundred dollars and 20 people are going to pop up uh so let's just say you decide to do something with it, to give it back to the world, uh, whether that's developing yourself, developing others, maybe there's a homeless guy on the corner. What would you want to do with it uh, to make the biggest impact? Because I think that uh, people in these third world countries, you know, to them, getting a dollar bill alone is, can, for some people, is, you know, food for the next week, right? So what do you think that you could do if you were to find that $100 bill and, you know, give that back out into the world?
1: So, I, I just have to address this first. There's this idea of, uh, of, of um, comparing ourselves to other people. And, I, and that's when you said, you know, there's always somebody who has it worse off, right? And I think, in that, what you're really saying, what people really mean when they say that is to appreciate what you have. And I, I, I almost want to um, encourage people not to compare themselves to other people. But simply to look at the life that they have and the people of and and who they are and be grateful for who they are Mm -hmm. without comparing because comparing can cause so much can wreak so much havoc on us and cause us to try to be like other people. And you know, comparison from the competitive standpoint is just not healthy. Um, but anyway, so what would I do with this hundred dollars? Honestly, I would give it to Ellen Lori, my audio engineer, who has done so much, so much, uh, to better herself, to grow, to learn. and uh, that's where I would send it, Zephin. I awesome. mean, this is a woman who's traveling the world in, in search of herself, like we talked about. The purpose of life is to just discover who you really are. She's on that journey, and I'm really proud of her, and I think I would just send her the 100 bucks. That's what I would do at this point. But if, if there wasn't an Ellen, what would I do with it, right, mm-hmm. like that?
0: Hmm. Yeah, I mean, like if I were to find 100 bucks, like I would love to give it to my mom, right? Or, you know, use it to like do something really nice for her, you know? But what if uh, we were trying to give this more to the world and not necessarily to someone that we might know per se?
1: I think I might make a little experiment out of it. I might um, take the $100 and use it to buy sandwiches for people that are standing on the, the sidewalk asking for money or asking for a job. Maybe even I'd bring them a lot more than a sandwich so that they could go do whatever they felt was necessary with the food. I'd probably do something like that.
0: Awesome, I can really appreciate that. There's a concept that I'm working on right now that hopefully I'll be able to uh, approach later on this year of essentially uh, building backpacks and stuffing them with stuff and being able to take them to uh, the homeless people out here because I do a lot of work between DC and Baltimore uh, driving back and forth through both cities and, you know, I, I drive through Baltimore City to get there and see people on the street corners. I get into D.C. and just getting off the highway, there's people on the street corners. Uh, and then I see it again coming back home at night. And, you know, last night, uh, actually, I was approached by someone. I was at a red light downtown Baltimore City, 10, 11 o'clock at night. You know, a gentleman literally walks right in front of my car at a light um, and it, he didn't seem as approachable as many of the other ones though so I kind of waved it off a little bit but I think later down the road uh you know this is a cool project is giving back to the homeless I'd really love to do that uh and I definitely would love if everybody listening would keep me accountable if you want to keep me accountable to that it's something I would love to do Uh, but the topic of helping the homeless I think is really awesome so thank you for uh giving that to us and thank you so much for you know, giving your gift to the world. You've got a, a ton of books, a ton of videos and things online. What is the best place for people, A, to you know, get your ebook, but B, just to find out more about you?
1: Measurablegreatness.com. Yep, that's it. And if you want to message me directly, it's just MB
0: for Misty Burmeister at measurablegreatness.com. We'd love to hear from you. Awesome. So you guys, A, uh, need to check out her podcast because she has a podcast. B, go ahead and check out and download her ebook. Wait a minute. That
1: podcast is called Provoking Your
0: Greatness. Awesome. So check out Provoking Your Greatness podcast. Uh, Go find her ebook. It's called Shift. Uh, That's also on your website, right? Under Greatness Store. Awesome. And then, of course, you should go ahead and contact Misty as well. Misty, thank you so much for being here today. I want you to know that, you know, I appreciate you as a friend, uh, as a, a motivator, as a provoker of greatness. Uh, and I, I'm very grateful that I can call you a friend and a mentor of mine.
1: Well, Zephan, right back at you, babe. I feel it too. And you know, the best thing about great mentoring relationships is
0: for and the mentee become confused as to who is which. Awesome. Thank you so much. We'll see you next time. All right. Peace out, brother. You've probably heard me talk about designing a life that you actually want to live. You might have even heard about my travels or experiences and thought to yourself, yeah, I do want to do that. Eventually, someday I'll probably do it. And my guess is that you've been thinking about doing it for a long time. So I want to tell you this. Stop thinking. Your time is right now. You don't need any more time you don't need any more info you don't need to keep putting it off and planning for the perfect time because the truth of the matter is this you could be the person who sits around and thinks about living a better life or you can be the person that decides that today is the day that you're going to actually do it and i want that for you because you already have what it takes you've got a fire inside. Even if you can't see it right now, it's lit, but you need to open yourself up to the possibilities and throw a couple logs into the flames. So join me and the Year of Purpose tribe by subscribing to our YouTube channel and iTunes podcast. And if you really like us, please leave a review. This is FN Moses Blacksburg, and I can't wait to see you again on the Year of Purpose podcast.